our new podcast, Beards, Bottles, and Balls. We're excited to introduce to the world a concept that we've been working on for a few years now that should hopefully allow us to share some of our thoughts related to beards, bottles, and balls. I'm not sure we're going to talk about beards, but the rest of it. Yeah, and I mean, just to give you a little bit more context around what type of bottles and balls we're talking about. We're just going to hang out together just because we do this normally without a microphone in front of us. And a lot of things that we like to do are enjoy some nice drinks, whether it's cocktail, a beer, some wine. And then obviously, if it's not obvious, we both have beards. And then last but certainly not least, we are not talking about our own genitalia when we say balls, although we do both have those. We are talking about sports. So a lot that you're going to be hearing on here is about football basketball we'll even throw in hockey pucks and other sports related items so if you don't like sports and you don't like drinking and you don't like beards i would recommend probably not listening to us but you still might have a fun time we're both living in florida and we also might bring up some things about disney from time to time because we're kind of disney freaks too right yeah, that may be a little bit surprising and unique. We love Disney as well, so probably not your average dude out there who is really into sports, really into some nice nice bottles of liquor, and also we like Disney. Now, that may sound a little bit of a strange combination, but every now and then we'll share some thoughts and reflections because we're there two or three times a week, I think, on average, something like that between the two of us. I don't know where beards... Do you do we talk about beards? I mean, I guess we, we can. I mean, what do you say about a beard? I think the beards will much more make sense to people whenever we transition this just from audio to also like recording the video as well. And then they can visibly see that there's beards. That's true. But I actually uh, shaved my beard like two weeks ago, so we can't do that for like three more that's months. That's true. Because we'll, I technically don't really have much of a beard right now. I'm talking through my beard, but that's all I got. Yeah, we'll edit that in post, your beard. We'll audio edit that in <laughs> afterwards. Add beards. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of what we're going to be doing today, this is our first episode. So I'm sure we'll screw up and it might sound a little weird at times, but you know what? It's the old adage of do it instead of being ready to do it. And so we're just putting our best foot forward and doing something that we enjoy. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we're drinking today first, because we'll always be enjoying a nice drink while we're doing this together. And then we'll hop right into talking a little bit about something called the NBA playoffs and some twists and turns that are happening in that space. And then finally, the the main event is going to be talking about the impending NFL draft that's happening tomorrow. A lot of fun and exciting things happening in the sports world. In my opinion, best time of the year right now. We have the draft coming, and then we have the NBA playoffs going on. My personal yep. favorite time of the year. But Agreed. first, let's talk about what, what you're drinking. Uh, I know we cracked open a nice, fine bottle of wine. So tell us a little bit about what you're drinking. Yeah, having some Camus 2020 from Napa. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon. Really nice, delicious, a good dry wine. I don't know if you like red wine. If you're out there and you enjoy red wine, I'd highly recommend it. It is not on the lower end of the price spectrum for what I would usually drink. I will say that. Usually I'm more of a $20 a bottle of wine kind of guy. And one thing we're going to do, I don't know how much this will come up on our podcast, maybe a lot to be determined, I guess, is <laughs> we're going to be drinking over the next few weeks, maybe a few months, different 2020 Cabernet Sauvignons from Napa, from the same area that Camus is, and so that we can compare them and, and contrast and see if we can find a similar bottle of wine that is a slightly <laughs> reduced price point than what one of us paid for this one. Yeah, we like the wine. I can say we tasted it. It is 
man, it is a, and don't get me wrong, I am not a sommelier, but that is a very easy wine to drink. Goes down smooth. My wife, who enjoys pretty much wine that tastes like juice, actually enjoyed this one. And it doesn't taste like juice, but it was very easy to drink. She very much enjoyed it. But yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll take you all on that journey with us. But, my wife looked at it. So that's an improvement. Yeah. She's looked at it, maybe smelled a little bit of it from the glass. So that's that's. And, that, and I don't even forward. think she enjoyed the smell. Probably not. No. no. So the, what I'm drinking is an old fashioned. Now I would be remiss if I didn't speak on who put me onto this. So number one in the bourbon realm, I got to give Lance a little bit of credit here. He's been bringing me into the bourbon space for a while now. But I do have a close friend. His name's Colin, and he actually not only sent me the kit to make these smoked old fashions, but also a specific recipe that he uses to make them really well. And I've got to say, I scored a bottle of a Buffalo Trace from Target, believe it or not, and make this on a regular basis so i thought it would be a good first episode drink because it's my favorite drink to make and it's also my favorite drink to drink right now so it's it's buffalo trace it has some and i have to pull open the image of what the actual syrup is in it so it's bitter milk ohakan old-fashioned made with cocoa fines so it's got a Strong, bittersweet with old-fashioned spices and chilies. So it gives it a very nice spice with some chili hint on the back end. And I have that with, obviously, a cherry, an orange peel, and I do a nice... I finish it off with a nice smoke of applewood on top. So it is a smoked old-fashioned, and it is delightful. For those who are new to the world of old-fashions, the bitter milk is a replacement for what you would normally do with simple syrup. Correct. So if you're looking for that, I am I am someone who makes an old-fashioned quite often myself. Pretty simple, plain one. This one's the best, or as good as any I've ever had for sure. So yeah, look for that bitter milk. I'm definitely going to add it to my repertoire when it comes to some good old-fashions. Yeah, and just check everything that he sent my way. He grabbed off Amazon. So bitter milk, the smoking kit, everything. So... We can probably, when we post this, I don't can you put links underneath podcasts? Can you link to things? We'll see. We'll if you can, yep. great. If we can't, just search it on Amazon. You'll find it. Yep. All right. Hot take. Not really at all. <laughs> Buffalo Trace, great bourbon for the price. Yeah. Chat. According to ChatGPT, from what I've learned, it is the most popular bourbon for beginners of drinking, of entering in that space. So if you're listening to this and you've never given bourbon a try or you have and you didn't like it, and it wasn't Buffalo Trace, maybe go down that road again. Give Buffalo Trace a try if you can find it. It is a little more difficult to find, but if you can find it, it's not too expensive. I think the bottle I got was about $27, so not too crazy compared to, you know, you're not going to go drop thousands like on a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. Right, unless you want to, unless you can. I can't. I can't. I will say this. This is the fourth night in a row that I've either received a picture of a smoked old fashioned in the hand of Brendan and or sat beside him while drinking one. So he's, he's doing it right. I'm well trying done. to perfect it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's spend a little bit of time here. Let's go ahead and touch on a little bit of the NBA playoffs and you don't know me yet, but you're going to get to know me over time as we continue to record these. But I am a huge Miami Heat fan and boy oh boy am I loving what's happening right now in the Miami Heat Bucks series as far as between them and the Lakers and what they're doing as the the play-in teams uh pretty amazing but I will say I feel like Jimmy Butler hands down just gave us the most efficient 
impressive playoff performance, at least if not in NBA history, it's definitely top two or three. Yeah, I mean, it's reminiscent of some of the great players in history when it comes to playoff basketball. Like when you see Kobe coming into the playoffs and dominating years back before him, MJ, Reggie Miller. Like, I'm an old guy, so these guys come to my mind pretty quickly of unique players who turned it to a new level when it came to the playoffs and became something that they weren't during the regular season. Even if they were great during the regular season, as Jimmy Butler was, as Kobe always was, as Michael always was, as LeBron always is, they just find a new gear, a new plateau to get to during the playoffs. And man, Jimmy Butler has done that in a special way. I think he kind of always does. I don't think this is unusual for Jimmy Butler, but this may be a level 10 when he usually gets to 9.9, maybe something like that. Well, and I'll go ahead and I'll tell you the company that he's in whenever you talk about points scored in a playoff game in NBA history. So number one, you have you have MJ. He's got 63. Elgin Baylor scored 61. Donovan Mitchell, who's number three on the list. Scored Great Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. 57. Jimmy Butler is fourth with 56. And tied with him is Charles Barkley. And again, Michael Jordan had a 56-point effort as well. So that's your, your top six performances in the playoff as far as scoring goes and that's not even putting into perspective how efficient he was during that game I mean he was he almost had a a double double he was 19 for 28 from the field nearly shot 70 percent and shot 38 percent from three I mean even with the other performances that is just Incredible! I think the only person that had a better field goal shooting percentage in that list that I gave you was Charles Barkley with, I think he had 74%. He was shooting the ball from what, too? And he was laying it up, right? Big Chuck was laying it up. So, yeah, that was really incredible to watch, I think, probably, other than the infamous Game 6 where Ray Allen hit the three in the corner to send it to Game 7 against the Spurs. Probably my favorite Miami Heat game, but, you know. You know, we still got to win one more. Knock them out. Everyone's still talking this this trash about the Bucks coming back 3-1, and they are still more likely to do that than the Heat finishing one more game, which I think is very stupid. But Well, you and I have talked about this off mic several times through the years, or the last couple of years especially. The Heat match up well with Giannis. They can't completely stop him because, you know, you watch that game – and Giannis had a triple double, you know, coming back after being off for two games, came back and had a triple double. So he left his imprint on the game. But there's there's just something about what they're able to do almost to get in his head because they seem so out of sorts. And for a team like Milwaukee that has that that championship pedigree and that experience over the course of the past three or four years, that unit is kind of stuck together. Is we is very weird to see them kind of lose it at the end of the game like that. But that's something that the Heat did back in the bubble whenever they eliminated the Bucks and pretty much swept. I don't remember if it was a, a gentleman sweep or a straight up sweep, but it, again it was the same thing. We just were able to get in their head and specifically Giannis's head and it just kind of got all of sorts at the end. And it looks like, hopefully, that's going to happen again. There's a good chance of it. Yeah. I think it, it. I would lean towards expecting it to happen. You know, the Bucks will at least get one more game. Nothing in sports is guaranteed, but statistically likely for them to get one more game. I do think this is a moment for Giannis to show that he has entered into a new level of NBA play. 
If he is able to lift his team up to come back and win this series, I do think we have to start talking about him in a conversation differently than we've talked about him in the past. I think in the past he's been one of the better players in the NBA, but not necessarily historically elite. He could be well on his way towards becoming that Mm. if he's able to dig himself and his team out of such a big hole as they've dug with the Heat. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. I just, go, I just hope that he doesn't do it. Of course it. you hope he doesn't. And much more important than the Heat series, let's talk about the Lakers. Okay, let's talk about the Lakers. Because, you know, this is, and you all don't know this, but there's a, a very, very strong debate between Lance and myself about the GOAT conversation in the NBA, as with any other basketball fan that exists and watches the NBA. Lance is very firm that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. I am... Also very firm that LeBron James is the GOAT. And we have our different reasons for thinking so. But it it usually tends to be an interesting conversation. But the most interesting part of this conversation is that Lance is a Lakers fan. So his uh, his perspective is very interesting for me. Because as you know... It mainly means that I usually get frustrated with LeBron in those big moments where he throws up those bricks to lose games for us. Like That's usually where where I start to get a little bit extra frustrated. And listen to this. So hold on. What was I watching? It was... It was a show on ESPN. I don't remember what it was. Oh, I remember what it was. It wasn't ESPN. It was Fox. My my friend Shannon Sharp, which he's not my friend at all, but I enjoy watching him. Buddy um, Shannon. My buddy Shannon Sharp. We agree on a lot. He also agrees that LeBron James is the GOAT, and he goes against Skip Bayless, which I'm sure some of you, if you're listening, will know that he is probably the biggest LeBron hater in the world. And essentially, he was given dropping some knowledge on Skip that I think with Less than a second in play, LeBron is, I think, 7 for 12 from the field on those shots going in to either tie or take the lead in a game, which is by far leading any of his compatriots like Jordan or Kobe, not only in the amount of times it's happened, but also in the percentage of times that it's gone in, which is in direct opposition with the fact that most people say that LeBron doesn't have a clutch gene, which is absolutely absurd go lakers but both of us agree would love to know (laughs) would love to know your perspective because he just hit enough he added to that stat because he just did that in the last game and i think they're actually playing right now as we're recording this yeah but if it's late enough they play like at three in the morning uh, right it's my yeah on the east coast so what are your thoughts i mean just on those stats and then his performance in the playoffs because honestly to go in and get a 20 20 game which i believe he's the first laker to do since shaq in 2004, that's impressive. Now, I think without doubt, no matter what your perspective is on LeBron, and by the way, let me let me pause and say my perspective is not that he's like the number 20th NBA player of all time. It's that he's easily the second. It's that uh, Michael is someone that I prefer over him. Is it that he could potentially arguably be the best player? I think absolutely. I think it's a matter of what you value, what your perspective on what makes the best player. Actually, on one podcast coming soon, this is this is going to be a teaser for you, everyone out there, all 70 million listeners that we have in our <laughs> first podcast. Probably the only listener we have is a friend of ours who's in the corner over here listening, and maybe your wives if we talk loud enough so they can hear us in the other room. But I want to, at some point in the future, share something that you said recently This is such a weird moment to bring this up. But you said recently, while watching The Mandalorian, that keyed me in to why you like LeBron James better than Michael Jordan and why I like Michael better than LeBron. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Okay. But I'm very intrigued to know. We'll pause that, make a note. We'll come back to that in a future podcast. Okay. LeBron James, 
to do what he's doing as long as he's done it is as impressive of a feat in sports as there is. I remember watching Cal Ripken Jr. I'm not a huge baseball fan. We'll talk about baseball here some probably because we need to have a well-rounded podcast. You said we're going to talk about hockey. So if we're going to talk about hockey, we've got to talk about baseball. Correct. Go O's. Yeah, go O's. So (laughs) Cal Ripken Jr., and breaking the record for streaks of starting a Major League Baseball game was like the biggest thing in sports when I was watching it happen. Again, a little bit older, so I saw this. I was part of like the sports world when this happened. You were probably like four. What year? I don't even know. Okay. (laughs) Years ago. I was probably like in college. But anyway, the point is, is because of his longevity, people praised him for his ability to do it over and over and over. I think at some point we're getting to... No, let let me back all of that. Without doubt, we are getting to a space where we at very least have to praise LeBron for being able to perform at the level he's performed for so long and then to come into the playoffs in a year in which at times it's been a season of doubt with the Lakers. Like, are they going to be able to get in the playoffs? Okay, now that they're in, what are they going to be able to do? I think it's arguable now they might be the favorite seed in the West to win the playoffs. Who's going to beat them? The way that they're playing, I don't doubt it. I mean, I think the only team that you can – pit up against them at this point and say they're they might have a hard time or at least they can exchange buckets is going to be the suns and just in i'm not even listen i am not a chris paul hater i like chris paul i think he's one of the best point guards ever touched of basketball he's kind of played like trash this year but that is also looking at Devin Booker and Kevin Durant that are also on that roster and knowing that that is a scary combination of scoring that Los Angeles is not only going to have to contain, but also keep up with. Now, LeBron, as impressive as he's been these past two seasons, averaging close to 30 points each season at his age, he's going to have to kick that up and consistently be scoring in the 30s to keep up with that team. So I think realistically, Suns are their only competition right now, which is crazy to say because they're a playing team. But on the West Definitely. They look like those changes that they made at the break, the trade deadline, were just so necessary. And shout out to Russell Westbrook. I know there's a lot of Russell Westbrook haters out there. He's doing his thing in the, in Los Angeles still just for the Clippers. I know they were eliminated, but... That's his I'm thing. Not- That's his thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's doing his thing. They were eliminated. They lost. Russell Westbrook is That's doing fine. his thing. I'm, not, I'm just not mad at him. Oh, he gets a lot of hate. I appreciate Russell, Russell Westbrook. I appreciate you and Beards, Bottles, and Balls podcast. You are appreciated here. Keep doing your thing. I wish you would have gone to Miami. We could have done some great things. but You would have ruined your team. You would have never made the playoffs. You're crazy. All right, let's keep going. It doesn't make make any sense. What was the Lakers' record before Russell Westbrook left? Because it it was a fit issue. It wasn't a Russell Westbrook issue. I mean, there's some truth to that. It was a fit issue. But you could almost go like team by team by team before the Lakers and he ruined them all. Because right now what Miami's missing is someone other than Jimmy Butler to dribble the ball for 30 minutes. Put that ball in the stinking basket. Now, we've been grateful and thankful to have some hot shooting of resurgence of Duncan Robinson and Max Struess from time to time, but yeah, that's yeah, no. I I'm sure we him, need to move on to NFL yeah, draft. But we'll my last draft. thought about Russell Westbrook is, I can't say that word, those names together well, especially as I drink bourbon. It's Russell Alabama Westbrook, yeah, that could also be it. <laughs> is that if he were okay being a sixth man, just absolutely embrace that. Like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to be a sixth man, I'm going to dominate the floor during my time. He could be as good of a sixth man as ever been. He could be the best sixth That's man. That's what he's doing in Los Angeles, NBA. right? 
Ish. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. Let's just go with it. He is. what I Where I would be concerned is in the future with Los Angeles because in the, with the Lakers, he was a cancer in the locker room, as has been well-documented and publicized through the media. And he's been that same problematic child in every other team he's played for for years since probably the Oklahoma State days. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we've... Now, I could spend all day talking about the NBA, you know that. And I could also spend all day talking about the NFL, which we're getting ready to do right now. All right, so we're going to go through this list right here for the mock draft as presented by Danny Kelly from The Ringer. Shout out to The Ringer. I usually love all of the content that they're putting out. So we're going to use their mock draft for going through what the just the standard for what people are expecting to happen in the draft tomorrow. And right now they have Bryce Young going at number one to the Carolina Panthers, Will Anderson going number two to the Texans, Christian Gonzalez, defensive back, going to the Cardinals, which I can already tell you I disagree with that pick, but we'll keep going. Anthony Richardson going to the Colts, Tyree Wilson, edge rusher, going to the Seahawks, Devin Witherspoon, defensive back, going to the Lions. C.J. Stroud, going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Bijan Robinson, which just hurts my heart. You'll find out why later. Going to the Atlanta Falcons. Jalen Carter, going to the Bears, which is other another knife in the heart. And then Nolan Smith, going from Georgia, going to the Philadelphia Eagles at number ten. And we'll stop at that number ten pick. If it bleeds into number eleven, we can talk about it. But you know. I have to interrupt you. Please. I have to jump in on this one. One of the things about the Ringers list, and I think it's important to point out, no doubt if you're listening to this podcast with any interest level whatsoever, you already know what I'm about to say. This is a pretty outrageous perspective on the draft. And what I mean by that is this is not what you would see if you were to look at 50 different NFL mock drafts. You might see these picks like one once or twice per pick each time. So if you're looking for a really good mock draft that kind of shares a unique perspective, this would be a good one. But I would say, what was their first pick? I can't remember. Was that Brian? It's Brian Young, right? Bryce Young. Bryce Young, sorry. Yeah, going to which you're, I mean, you love Alabama, right? I you're absolutely, with all of my soul, <laughs> down to the very bare bones of my being, despise Alabama with everything I can. I'm on the other side of the equation. So what if we do this? What if I share kind of my perspective on some picks? Please. I see it a little differently, and I'd love to hear your perspective on maybe between the two of us, maybe between Ringer and what they suggest, uh, what I suggest and where you think it will go, and I'll probably want to debate you a little bit on that because, you know, that's what we do. So I actually think for the first pick, the Panthers are going to go with C.J. Stroud. It's a big debate between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, mainly. There are some other people who throw, are throwing some other names out there. You do hear Will Levis's name sometimes being thrown out. You do hear Anthony Richardson's name as well here and there. But we know it's going to be a quarterback. Yes, quarterback. We can agree on that. Everybody's going to say it's a quarterback. I lean towards C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. I will say that while size, the size of a quarterback doesn't impact the quarterback in some scouts' minds, some GM's mind, coaches' minds. It is a significant factor in others' minds. And when you look at Frank Reich's track record, he likes tall, big, strong quarterbacks. He doesn't like smaller, cerebral quarterbacks. I say that word right? I should Cerebral. Yeah, Yeah, I should probably say it before bourbon, not post-bourbon. But he is... That's, so never during the podcast. Yeah, never during the podcast. <laughs> okay, good. Like, very first word. Hey, let's go cerebral. <laughs> so Bryce Young is one of the smartest quarterbacks that we've seen in this draft in years. 
but he does not have the physical stature required to be successful long term. Mm. I think he'll be a B minus, a C plus quarterback. He'll be another Tua. He'll be another Terry Bridgewater. He'll be a good quarterback. He'll be a starter quarterback, which does make him slightly above Terry Bridgewater. But he is not going to be a long-term great elite quarterback for any team. He's going to be a solid quarterback. And because of that, if I'm the Panthers, there's no way in the world I take Bryce Young. I don't think they will. I think they will take C.J. Stroud. What do you think? You might find this a surprise compared to our normal conversations, but I agree with you. Well, that's no fun. I know it's no fun, but you're, I know. So, all right, we're going to give a little bit of context here. Lance is a Cowboys fan. I'm an Eagles fan. I do have specific history with Frank Reich on the coaching staff of the Eagles and know that the quarterback city picks are, again, they have to fit the mold, right? They've got to fit the mold. And that's going to be a huge part of the quarterback that's selected here because you can't teach an old dog new tricks. He's not going to go and change up the entire way he approaches selecting a quarterback. And like you said, the Panthers are picking a quarterback. There's no way around that. So it's either, in my opinion, it's it's C.J. Stroud or it's Bryce Young. And yeah. whenever you look at those two picks, it's going to fall C.J. Stroud. I don't think that there's any way other to look at it. I mean, if they pick Bryce Young, would I be extremely surprised? No, because they're, yeah. like you said, they're both talented quarterbacks right. and they're going to be the first two off the board, right. in my opinion. But, I think Stroud is the most accurate quarterback we've seen in a while, probably since Burrow. Mm-hmm. And uniquely accurate. Not just like a solidly accurate quarterback, but uniquely accurate. He puts the ball right where it needs to be placed every single time where the receiver has the only option to catch the ball, the defender can't, and the typically the receiver is able to get the ball, make a move on it, continue running, continue the motion that they're in. So pretty impressive with his accuracy. He's smart. He makes good reads. And he has the physicality to do the job. Think about what Frank Reich had with the Colts, same quarterback for a while he had with the Eagles, with Wentz, I don't see him drafting another Wentz because I think he's probably come to the conclusion, if he didn't already have it, that, yeah, I don't want somebody who's going to be this strong on quarterback, taking chances, throwing the ball up the field like he would get potential with Richardson and or Will Levis. I do think he wants somebody who's going to make decisions and be an accurate quarterback, but I don't see it being Bryce Young. I think it has to be C.J. Stroud. Sounds like we agree on something. We agree, and I think if we agree on that, we're probably going to agree on the next pick by the Texans, which, who do you have at the Texans? I have Bryce Young, the quarterback of the, I'm sorry, the coach of the Texans, is a former Alabama graduate, and so I'm not saying that that will give him a leg up, but I do think it does suggest that the, the Texans have solid quarterback play, but they don't have great quarterback play. And I'm going to give a little bit of a hint towards the answer to another question in a minute. minute. You have to have an elite pick in the top ten. Even if it's a risky pick, you can't take a safe pick in the top ten. You have to take an elite pick. Now, if it's elite and safe, go for it. You know, like Andrew Luck back in the day. But you have to take a chance if that's what it means to get an elite pick. But I think Bryce Young is a, is a good pick for the Texans. Yeah. And probably and I, where they'll go. Again, yeah. And, again, I, we're not going to agree on this one just because, again, I think Texans are going to go QB. And I think that C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are the other two best quarterbacks in this in the draft class this year. So we both think um, it probably be one or two either way with those two quarterbacks. Depending on which one the Panthers like, the Texans will probably go the opposite way. Correct. And which yeah, is a little bit uncommon. Most people have the Texans going defense right now. But and, I disagree with that. And now I think we do need to bring up here, the Ringer did have Bryce Young going one, but they did have Will Anderson Jr. going two, which I think we 
we both disagree with. Yeah. We think that they're going to go well. While I do think Will Anderson will go in the top five picks, I do not think he will go to to the Texans. I think they're going quarterback. Lester's um, that Alabama pull again that draws him in, but I agree with you. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he goes top two. I actually think he's rather overrated. That's probably some crimson Alabama pink glasses that I'm looking through to say that. Yeah. But. Rose-colored glasses, the opposite version of rose-colored yeah, whatever glasses, that would right? Be, like, yeah, like crap-colored like glasses. Ballet, ballerina, dress. What is that called? What's the what's tutu? The, tutu. Thank tutu. you. Yeah, I drew, I drew a blank. Drew a blank. So like, tutu pink. That's Alabama. That's what I go with with Alabama. They have a tutu pink. Glasses. All the Alabama listeners out there, all of probably maybe one that we have. I'm my so mother. Sorry. My mother's in okay, Alabama. Okay, so she'll listen we to this. Probably get her to okay, watch cool. Awesome. So. <laughs> I'm so sorry for your son. All right, so let's keep going. Um, we're going to go straight into... So the number three pick for the ringer was Christian Gonzalez, which no I way. disagree with. Absolutely not. Never going to happen. I think They're trying both, to sound sophisticated. They're yeah. trying to be impressive with their hot takes. There's no way, right? Like, there's no way. I mean, as much as you think Will Anderson's overrated, but with Jalen Carter and Will Anderson on the board... I mean, they're clearly not drafting a quarterback. Kyler Murray, as much as I, I don't believe in him as a quarterback of the future, I do think that they do think of him yeah. as a quarterback of the future, so they're not going to draft a quarterback at three. They're going Will Anderson with this pick, right? I mean, what do you put? What do you have down? Yeah, I actually have Jalen Carter, which I think you know, Will Anderson is a possibility as well. I think most people would have Will Anderson here. What, what I would wonder in trying to interpret the, think, the thinking of the ringer is, do they expect a trade down? Because I do see the Cardinals doing what they can to trade back mm-hmm. and get more picks. I think that's easy from where we sit today in our nice recliners around a microphone to say just about everybody with the exception of those who need quarterbacks. They're just going to trade down. They're just going to trade down. The Eagles should trade down. The Bears should trade back. Everybody should trade back and get more picks. It's what the Patriots have done for years and have proven is a, a good strategy for success in the draft. So I think they should trade back. If they don't, I expect them to go defense. I expect them to go the, who they think is the best defensive player on the board. I think that's Jalen Carter. I think they think it will be Jalen Carter. Really? The only question is, is are they willing to take the chance on someone who has some bad media, some mm. bad press recently related to their work ethic, being in shape, out of shape for their pro day, and the potential criminal investigation that's going on related to Jalen Carter? Yeah, I mean... As an Eagles fan, yeah. I really hope that everyone yeah, looks him, looks very much into yeah. <laughs> all of those things that you just listed you out. You want him to be available at 10. I would love or 30, for him actually, to drop you know. to 10, which the ringer had him dropping down to 9, yeah. um, which, again, that would be heartbreaking for me. And we'll keep going. We'll get into all that a little bit later. So I think we do agree they're going defense here. I think that they will go, Will Anderson, you think Jalen Carter. We'll see tomorrow. So let's see fourth pick on the ringer. That was Anthony Richardson from Florida going to the Colts. Who do you have it for? I also have Anthony Richardson going to the Colts. So you Um, agree with the ringer. I'm a big fan of Anthony Richardson. I think he is one of the most athletically gifted quarterbacks we've seen go in the draft in many, many years. At least since Cam Newton, potentially even more so. And if you haven't figured out by now, I would be very likely to be a Cam Newton fan as a as a big Auburn fan. Yeah, Cam Newton's still a very big Cam Newton fan. He thinks that he's better than half the quarterbacks in the he, leagues currently. He, yeah. So 
but somewhere around there. But anyway, Anthony Richardson, great talent, very athletically gifted, more so to me than even Cam Newton, which I think is saying a lot. I think the Colts go go with with Anthony Richardson uniquely because of, and I'm going to probably say his names names name wrong, the former offense coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, Steichen. 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 Yeah. I, think I thought you would, and you would help me with that. His experience with Hurts. Mm-hmm. If I'm him, I say, can I do with Anthony Richardson what I do with Hurts? Now, they're the exact same quarterback by no means. Yeah. But are there a lot of similarities that Steichen can use to translate into what the Coats do? He will be a much better runner than Hurts will ever dream of being. He'll be a better runner than just about any quarterback in the NFL NFL history. The only competition might be Vic or Lamar. But he is going to be a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal running the ball. Is Steichen going to be able to bring that in and run a similar offense and a similar philosophy and do pretty well, even though Richardson will struggle early on to run an NFL defense from a passing perspective and let him slowly develop into the passing quarterback that he potentially could be? I see the look on your face. If you could see us out there in the audience right now, you would see lots of consternation on the look of Brennan Hinkle. Go. So the problem that I have with this is just look at history with with athletic quarterbacks. They either can already throw good, they have a strong throwing arm, a la Michael Vick, a la Cam Newton, who their accuracy wasn't the greatest, but they could sling it. So they were getting some deep bombs, they were throwing the ball to the deep threats, and they also had the threat dual threat with their legs. But then you, you have other athletic quarterbacks that have cycled in through the league RG3, um, that's one that comes to mind. Gosh, now I'm blanking on a lot of these that have come in. But the athletic quarterbacks... And you blank on because of the in. point you're making, and I'll, I'll agree with it. There are a lot of them that come in the NFL. They're athletic. People make the argument I just made, hey, they'll be able to use their legs until they're armed, until they figure out how to throw the ball. Yes. And then we can't even remember their names five years later. And that's the point that I'm trying to make here is what happened Colin with... Colin Kaepernick, we do remember his name very well. <laughs> Everyone knows his name. But he is someone who... Struggle to pass the ball well past his second or third year. Yeah, we won't dive into the political issues surrounding him on Are the first episode. Are there issues involved? In yeah, let's not talk about those in the first episode. We want okay. people to come back. So, you know, what Jalen Hurts has been able to do and how he has gone in and went from someone almost adjusted and changed, and obviously this is coming from a place of bias, but I think most people would generally agree with this, what he's been able to do from a throwing mechanics perspective, from when he came into the league to where he is now, is nothing short of phenomenal. And that's something that is the exception and not the rule with these athletic quarterbacks coming into the league. Is it what everyone wants and what they desire? Absolutely. But is it traditionally what happens? It's not. And this is where I'm arguing you, but I do agree that they're going to take Anthony Richardson. Um, You're just not sure they should. I just don't think that they should. Yeah. So, you know. And by the way, I will say that this is not my should list. I don't know when I'm supposed to go through my should list. I don't know if we're going to have time to go through the should list. Maybe We can, we can... edit out all the other crap and let me go through my should list. <laughs> That's what we should do. I will say this. So, just in case we don't get to it in this episode. I think... The Carolina Panthers should take Anthony Richardson as the first quarterback overall. I think he is by far the best, most talented quarterback in the game and in the draft, potentially available. Is he a risk? Yes. But I think the absolute number one strategy any team should have as they draft in the first round, especially the first first 10 picks, mainly the first 10 picks, is you have to get an elite player. And more than anything else, 
you have to get a great quarterback. Yeah, well, <clears throat> we're not going to spend too much time on this, but I I do not agree. I think that you do have to take a risk, but I think you have to establish a balance of risk versus safety and and reward, right? Risk versus reward. You have to toe that line very fine and you can't lean too much on the risk side, which Anthony Richardson at number one is a huge risk. It's a huge risk. Yes, he's he's not coming out there to to do kick return and and you know just play the wildcat for their team, right? Like he's got to throw the football and he. But you're ha- acting like he's not a good passer. You're acting like he's a <laughs> mediocre passer. He's not a proven passer. He will walk into the NFL with a stronger arm as Josh Allen. He has shown the ability. Oh to, boy, we might have to end this podcast early. He has shown the ability to do what most quarterbacks who are athletic struggle to do, which is navigate the pocket. He's not some guy who looks at one read and takes off. He's shown the big ability to pick around the pocket and find his space consistently and repeatedly. He's shown the ability to have extremely great ball placement deep down the field repeatedly, over and over and over again. Every single person who watches him, the only criticism that they can come up with is that sometimes, sometimes he shows a lack of fundamentals that causes his passes to get inaccurate. But it's not consistent. It's not a long-term problem. It's not a repeated problem. When you look at the offense he ran at Florida, most of the passes, he had a low, he had a low completion percentage. 53% was his completion, completion percentage. A lot of people say, how in the world could you draft a quarterback with a 53% completion? Well, Josh Allen was worse. And yes, Josh Allen's an exception. Like you said, Hurts was. Of someone who was not willing to, of someone who did put in the work to really get better. Guess who's putting in the work to get better? Anthony Richardson right now is working with the best quarterbacks coach on the planet to help him develop his accuracy, help him develop his footwork. Dan Orvlosky, did I say his name right? Mm-hmm. Dan Orvlosky has said if he, as a as a former quarterback in the NFL, or, uh, someone who knows the game really well, someone who most people would consider a pretty smart evaluator of quarterbacks, has said without doubt he'd pick him number one. Trent Dilfer, quarterback for years in the NFL, head coach UAB, said I would pick him without doubt as number one pick overall. When I look at these quarterbacks, they're saying there's one guy who has the talent and skills to be a number one type quarterback, head and shoulders above everybody else, it's Anthony Richardson. I'm just following the line behind those who seem to know more about quarterbacking than I do. Keep Trent following, Dilfer, fella. Dan, uh, Dan Keep following. I'm going to let history keep helping me make my decisions because whenever a push comes to shove, whenever it comes down to statistics and how it normally pans out, it is going to be the one that pays off the most. And if well, that's not- the case... Then every quarterback, every quarterback that's quarterback pick that's ever been picked is a risk. Every single one. Of course, it's a risk, Written but that's higher. why that's Drew why Bledsoe. it's people that get paid a lot more than me and you go in and they study film and they talk to these players and they interview them and it's more it's less of his talent and and more of his character. And what do Who they say is, when they interview him? What do those who interview him say? They say he has as good a character as they've seen in interviews of any quarterback that they've interviewed. I well, get it. It's an interview. We have, we're going to have a wonderful season You're trying looking to move at me on. what uh, we it. have to. We well, have to move on. <laughs> We've got to move on because go. we're not going to agree. So let's go on to the fifth pick, which right now the ringer has Tyree Wilson, edge rusher from Texas, going to the Seahawks, which I disagree with this pick. I'd love to hear what you say. I like Tyree Wilson. I actually think if I'm picking and I have to pick between him and Will Anderson, I actually pick Tyree Wilson. And when you listen to a lot of people who are watching film right now, my favorite 
film gurus, Greg Cosell. Uh, if you pay attention to NFL film gurus, you know the name. If you're not, go find him. He's on Twitter. He's all over the place. He repeatedly says, watching Will Anderson's film, that he's not able to beat. He's not consistently able to beat offensive tackles in college football. Was not able to to get sacks. He had a lot of a lot of sacks, but it was based on scheme. I think Tyree Wilson actually has the ability to do so. Is that the pick that will happen? Probably not. I think somebody's going to fall in love with Will Anderson based on his character, based on his leadership, yep. based on his production, and pick him. But I do would, would bet pretty significantly that it won't be as high as we think, or as most people say. Yeah. Well, But ironically, that's who I have picked. At this <laughs> I disagree with you. And I actually agree with the ringer. I think that, and I already said this earlier, but I think that I don't think Jalen Carter's going three. I think Will Anderson's going three. And I think in this pick, I think Tyree Wilson goes, I think we will all not be that surprised when Jalen Carter starts to fall a little bit in the draft. I personally we'll get to this next i don't think that he's going to fall all the way to 10 but he's going to be the third defensive player picked as opposed to the first which with his talent should dictate he should be the first to go i think the other stuff is going to play into that with as many and we won't get too deep into this but as many legal issues as we've seen play out over the course of the past three or four years with other players and the impact that that's had on teams i think that management for nfl teams is paying way more attention to this kind of stuff and looming legal issues like that are again just a red flag whether they're resolved or not they're just a red flag for people to cast a little bit of doubt and like you said will anderson and tyree wilson it's not like it's not like you know you're not going to a fine dining restaurant and you're gonna have to go to mcdonald's right like you're yeah, you're going right. to another fine dining restaurant right. right like you are you are having these quality defensive players that are still on the board so i think that's going to play into this i do agree i think tyree wilson goes next but i do think that will anderson goes first on that that third pick again so a little bit of a back and forth there so who does um, the ringer have for seven wait a minute the lions we haven't done the lions yet no lions yeah so six six pick lions they actually have devin witherspoon from illinois going to the lions at six which i don't fully disagree with i could definitely see it happening but i don't think that's where they go this is actually where i think jalen carter's going i think jalen carter goes number six to the lions i don't think he makes it past that that pick which is why i also think that all the reports coming out that howie roseman trying to trade up is trying to trade up to get a player like jalen carter or will anderson so that leads me to believe that he's heard something in the grapevine that, that both of those players are going earlier. And so he wants to move up to get one or the other of them, which I think the last one on the board is going to be Jalen Carter at six. So I do think if I'm Howie Roseman, I either trade up or I trade back. I think the one negative that I, if I'm an Eagles fan that's in my brain right now is we're kind of in no land. You're kind of in no man's land. You're too far back to get the super elite players, unless Jalen Carter falls or somebody like that surprisingly right. falls. You're not going to get one of those kind of players, and uh, you're you're too close. You're too far up. You're number ten, so you don't need to go for a safety like Branch yet, who could also potentially be a big value to your team. 
So you're really in no man's land. Unless you decide to be the, the team that takes a running back at number 10 with Bijan or something like that, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. We will. But I ultimately agree with you that Jalen Carter will not fall past seven. I have Tyree Wilson here, but it's it's a similar concept. They're going to go good de- going to go defense. They're going to get the best defensive player they can, yep. most likely. I think they could use a tight end. I would love to see them go replace Hawk a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's a tight end that's good enough to go at this spot mm-hmm. in the draft. Nope. Yep, I agree. Well, semi-agree. We agree. <laughs> Positionally, we agree. Yeah. yeah. All right, so number seven, they actually have the Raiders selecting C.J. Stroud, which we obviously disagree with because we had C.J. Stroud going number one, which, again, we think a quarterback's going here, but which way do you think they're going? Yeah, I mean, this is a hard one for me. This is purely a guess. I think they may go Will Levis. I don't know that he fits what Josh McDaniels likes to do a ton. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, he's the opposite of Tom Brady in every measurable way. He's not super cerebral quarterback. I did it again, but I said it right <laughs> that time. And he, but he, but he's and he's the opposite in other ways too. He's super strong arm quarterback. Brady was never known for being a super strong arm quarterback. He's semi accurate, but he's not the most accurate quarterback in the world. He's probably no better or worse than Richardson. He's super strong arm, super just kind of wing it kind of. Play. Player. Also, a lot of commentators talk about how inflexible he is, which is something weird to me. I don't know if I get that. But I do get this about it. Brady's obsession with his physical body was to be flexible. He thought mm. that was the key to being long-term successful in the NFL was have a very flexible body. And a lot of people are talking about Levis now. And one of the biggest criticisms they have is that he's so big and strong that he's not very flexible. And that concerns them about accuracy issues from a fundamental standpoint and even injuries from a long-term perspective as well. Yeah, and we'll get to this either whenever we talk about biggest bust. So spoiler alert, but I think at number seven, they take best quarterback available. And at this point, I just don't see C.J. Stroud being on the board anymore. I do think Will Levis will be the best available quarterback. I think they go Will Levis. He's not the answer. They're going to be straddled with Garoppolo and Levis, two quarterbacks that will not answer the call for them as an organization. Um, And they'll be back here. Two, three years. Josh McDaniel's offense is like legendary for being a very complicated offense, a very hard offense to learn. Some have suggested it's the hardest offense to run in the entire NFL, which made Brady a really good fit for it because it gave him an advantage being so intellectual from his perspective as a quarterback. I don't, I'm not saying Will Levis is dumb. He's probably smarter than I am. So (laughs) this is not a criticism of his intellect by no means. I don't know him at all. However, I don't see him being the kind of quarterback to be super successful there. The cerebral quarterback? Cerebral. Yeah. Thank you. And so I don't see him being that kind of quarterback, but they, they almost have to take that position or try to trade back again we could say yeah. that about tons of these play teams right trade back trade back trade back i i think they either have to or take levis or maybe they get lucked out and bryce young is available at that spot who would be a perfect fit for the kind of offense josh mcdaniels runs agreed all right and this next one's heartbreaking for me to talk about because this is my greatest fear because i'm one of the few eagles fans which i think it's few now and maybe it's growing but uh, Bijan robinson the ringer has going number eight to the atlanta falcons which is leaning into what reports are saying that atlanta could be looking to take a running back now i vehemently disagree with the decision for an organization like the Falcons to draft a running back at pick number eight, given where they are as a franchise. They need just so much more positionally before they think about getting a running back, which, you know, 
the Eagles are in a very nice position given what they did last year, given how Howie Roseman's been able to refill those defensive roster spots and even with some offensive players to really go for that high skilled position to really make an impact on the offensive side of the ball to make that offense even more dominant than what it is even to a scary level so I think Bijan Robinson going eight to the Falcons I'm unfortunately scared to say I think it may happen but I do think that they should go with another pick outside of running back possibly going with someone like Nolan Smith on defense or even looking at a offensive lineman which I don't even know first offensive lineman off the board should be what Broderick Jones that's a guy of Northwestern let's see I have his name down Peter Skoronsky yeah I didn't want to say yeah so that is that's That's harder than cerebral (laughs) that's right that's where I think that they should be landing is somewhere in one of those spaces even shoot even Christian Gonzalez at defensive back on and on defense like one of those players I think is going to help them build this foundation as an organization that's going to give them more long-term success than getting a running back wasting his best years while they're still building that team and then by the time they get ready to make a run or do something he's already nearing the end of of what he's been able to do as we know the shelf life on running backs is not quite as long as other positions so I don't think it's the best decision for them however I think there is a draw to him as a player being one of the best running backs in the in the recent memory to come out since Saquon I guess yeah I would even say like for me I think he's going to be better than Saquon long-term. Easy to say sitting here right now today. But I think he has a better makeup for success in the NFL than even Saquon did or even currently does. I'm a huge Bijan fan. As a not Eagles fan, but as a friend of one man, I hope he's available to you guys at 10. I actually don't think he will be. That will come up, up in a minute. As far as the question, will the Falcons draft him? Should the Falcons draft him to both Absolutely not. I think it's a horrible idea. I love your take on the reality that they're still in rebuilding mode. Is Bijan going to be an upgrade for them at running back? Sure. I mean, he's going to be an upgrade at almost every team in the NFL at running yeah. back. I mean, there there may be an exception out there that we can debate at some point, but I don't know that I don't think he's the best running back in the NFL day one starting. Once he gets used to the game and the speed of the game and things like that, like he is a phenomenal athlete to me, potential running back. Absolutely shouldn't do so. What are they, what is he going to move them in their running game from a B minus to a B plus to an A minus, maybe even an A plus? But is an B minus to an A plus really worth you spending this draft capital on? I don't think it is. He will spend his first two or three years really good, doing amazing things for the Falcons as they barely make the playoffs, and maybe they finally get over mediocrity around to year two or three. To your point. I will completely agree with that. And then by the time he's reaching his peak as a running back with that small, short shelf life, he will be out of the league or moving out of the league, and they might finally be arriving at a place where they're a decent NFL team. Completely agree. Yep. By so the who way, did Miles you have? Murphy, I had Miles Murphy Miles at defensive Murphy. end. I do okay. think uh, the, the Falcons are another tough one for me, but I do think they go defense if they're smart. They go defense and get the best defensive player. And they're another one in the if Jalen Carter slips oh, sweepstakes, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I think so absolutely. Again, I know we, I think we both covered we don't think he drops below seven, but yeah. if he does happen to again, that's another place where I just don't see the Falcons passing right. that up. The legal issues, the character issues are always tough to predict how they'll impact a team. As I've heard it said, as anybody who's listening to this probably heard it said a thousand times, all it takes is one of these teams to fall in love with him or one of these teams to have sat in an interview with him and heard what they needed to hear to go you know what these little these little one-offs were just that they were just one-offs 
the talent is too much to pass up to bring him into our program and to put him on the field. Yep, 100% agree. So the next one that we're going to is pick number nine, and that's the Chicago Bears. And the ringer has Jalen Carter dropping to them, which we both know that we both disagree with. We don't think that he's going to be available at nine. So clearly we disagree with that. Go ahead and start with who you have coming in at number nine. Yeah, I think if he's available, it's the same. we could repeat the same story again with him there. But I do have Peter Skaronsky there. I think they need offensive line help. I mean, Fields was running for his life most of the time. Mm. This is a little early for Skaronsky, so some might would suggest that it's not a good value for them to pick him in nine. But I think they have to go offensive line. If one of the elite defenders falls to them, then I think they might make that choice. The only person that I have available outside of Miles Murphy, the one that might be in the conversation might be Nolan Smith. He's smallish at 6'3", 240, but the kid ran a 4'3", 740 as a defensive end, one of the fastest defensive linemen in history. Yeah, he's not super big, so you know maybe that figures into the equation. But what an athlete to put on the edge of a pretty solid Bears defense already. But I still, if I'm their GM, I'm going to make sure that I get my quarterback the tools he needs to be successful, already has some of it with some of the receivers, the tight end, the running backs. Those are all solid, if not moving towards pretty good. You don't pick a receiver here. Go for an offensive lineman and protect your quarterback. So for the sake Let's of... Let's just skip this pick 10. I mean, pick 10 is kind of boring. Yeah, pick 10... No, it's Pick not. 10 doesn't really mean anything yes, to any does. of us. So hold on one second. Okay. I want to give right. one small take on this. Okay. Just yeah, for the yeah, sake for sure, of sure. disagreeing just a little bit. I do think it would be best for them to go offensive line here. I actually have, will have them go and just to disagree, we'll go Broderick Jones. Just because the athleticism at that position. We'll go... Bro- I think Broderick Jones is a good fit for Chicago. But also, I don't... I don't think you completely negate wide receiver at pick nine. Yeah. Because, I mean, what the, the realistic view here is, is there's been talk about Jackson Smith. I don't even know how to say his last name. I'm not even so going to try it. But JSN from Ohio State, I don't see it being an astronomical grab here at number nine for wide receiver if they can't draft back a few draft you know drop back a few spots and switch with swap with Tennessee for whatever reason but I don't think Tennessee moves up in the draft for whatever reason but if he can't move back two or three spots to to secure that wide receiver spot I don't think it's wrong to go offensive line or wide receiver here I can totally see that for them yeah I don't think it would be it wouldn't be one of those moments in the draft where you go what in the world are they doing like the years where we all watch Mike Mayock and John Gruden for the Raiders for like four or five straight years where every single pick you were like what are they doing? Like they they never made any sense. I don't think it'd be one of those kind of picks. Yeah. If they went receiver, but I do think it's a little high. But honestly, it's a little high for anything they need. Mm. So at this point, this is where the draft to me more than any draft I remember in a long time starts to tip towards unpredictable. Yeah. No, for sure. I agree. All right. So who's got pick eleven? No, we're going pick ten. Pick ten. Pick okay, okay. ten is your reigning NFC champs. Super Bowl uh, champ? No, no, no they, they well, weren't. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, more recent than the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, so the, the NFC reigning champs with Jalen Hurts that just signed a monster, which, by the way, did you hear his press conference talking about re-signing the contract? Who's that? Someone asked Jalen Hurts. Oh, okay, yes. The reporter asked no, him. I did not. The reporter asked him, asked him a question of why he didn't sign more guaranteed money because I believe his contract was 
overall the biggest contract in NFL history, but I think guaranteed he only signed for like only has one hundred seventy nine million guaranteed, which I say only in front of that <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, but I did notice there was right. a lot of like options and yep. promotions and bonuses and things of that nature. Performance based bonuses. Yeah, I'm gonna pull a Terrell Owens for you and say that's my quarterback. Because you know what his response was? <laughs> he said <laughs> this is what he said, he said money is nice, championships are better. And it, man. that man is doing exactly what he needs to be to get the buy-in. And where did he go to college? <laughs> Jalen Hurts? Yeah. Alabama. No, Oklahoma. He graduated. Actually, I think he graduated from Alabama and then yeah. transferred to Oklahoma. The point is he went to Oklahoma, not Alabama. Anyway, keep going. Alabama did him dirty, though. Um, so, But the thing about Jalen Hurts is he's getting the buy-in of his teammates that he's already had, but even more so, right? And so players like Bijan are coming out and saying that they want to play with Jalen Hurts. He is establishing a culture at the Philadelphia Eagles that is a winning culture, and that is why I get so dang fired up when I hear about us drafting possibly Jalen Carter or Bijan Robinson at 10, and now I'm feeling that the, neither of them are going to drop there. But I know we're trying to move up in the draft, so on here on the ringer, let's just get right to it. On the ringer, we have them saying Nolan Smith at 10, which I do not think is a bad pick if they stay at 10, if things shake out the way I think they will, Bijan and Jalen will be off the board. I don't think Nolan Smith's a bad pick. I'd take him. I don't see the Eagles staying pat at 10 if Jalen and Bijan are gone, if they haven't already moved up. I see them moving back at that point to maybe get some later round picks. There's even been talk about, you know, trading back even just a few spots with either Tennessee or the Texans, I believe. But but either way, I don't think that they stay pat at 10 if both of those players are gone. They're either moving up or they're moving back. But they're not staying pat at 10. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, I, as we said earlier, I agree 100% that they should not. I think you're getting into no man's land. I think Nolan Smith's a decent, decent pick. I literally wrote down here, trade back. A lot of the mock drafts that I really like, some of the ones that are my favorite, are have Lucas Van Ness from the defensive end of my How far they draft pulling back? Because I don't see he's he's a late first round pick. I mean, they're, 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 they're at no point should they consider drafting him anywhere. 20 or below, they'd have to trade back a good amount, which means they'd probably be able to get a lot of draft capital. But Yeah, if they can can trade back, what we've said now a few times is that several of these teams passed about five need to trade back, which means that it's not going to be as big of an opportunity. And the further you go back towards towards pick 10, the less likely that's going to happen unless somebody gets really excited about one of these other quarterbacks. Somebody tries to move forward and pick a Levis earlier than what we've suggested or what others suggest. Maybe Hernan Hooker from Tennessee, someone out there starts to say, hey, we think he's a great quarterback. We think he's an NFL starting caliber quarterback, and we don't know if we're going to get him if we hold Pat. So they try to move into the top ten. I will say that if I'm them, absolutely, for certain, I either move forward or move back if it's possible. Clearly these things are tough. I think it would be easier potentially and more advantageous for them to move forward. They have the picks to move forward. They are not in any dire need. They have set themselves up. You and I were talking offline a couple days ago that Howie Roseman deserves ridiculous accolades for being one of the best GMs on the planet right now. And I completely agree with you, even as a Cowboys fan. I'll say something else as a Cowboys fan. Right now, I think Dak Prescott is a poor man's Jalen Hurts. Now, that may even be... A really poor man. That may even be a higher praise for Dak Prescott than you're willing to go. I'm actually not a big fan. However... 
I say that to say Jalen Hurts is the kind of quarterback I would want on my team. He's yep. quality, he's high character, he's a leader, he's a hard worker. His team follows him. The the comparison to Dak Prescott works mainly because of the, the leadership, the character that those who've played with Dak Prescott suggest he, he also possesses. But I have rarely seen someone come into the NFL and win over his team more quickly than Jalen Hurts has. So that's not NFL draft related. That's you. You couldn't help but talk about how great Jalen Hurts is. I couldn't help it. But even as a Cowboys fan, I will say I didn't hear a word that I disagree with. I think that's my quarterback. I think that's my quarterback. I think he's an amazing quarterback. That's Love my guy. All right, All let's right. get into some fun stuff. That was the top ten. I mean, that was kind of fun. Let's get into some of the more fun stuff. So let's start with the least. I think this is the easiest thing to answer. Least likely pick to bust. So this is that player who you're going you're gonna to get what you think. You're going to get what you know you're getting. Yeah, maybe they're not the all pro, but you're at least going to get a starter. And maybe they're not the best starter, but they're solid. They're going to be in the game for a long time. Do you have somebody that comes to your mind pretty quickly as it relates to that? Because if not, I have I have my answer ready to go. Out of the top ten picks that we talked about, I think the and I think you covered this, and I think we disagree on it, but I think the most sure thing, apart from him getting injured, is Bijan Robinson. Again, I think him coming into the league and immediately becoming the best running back is not far-fetched at all. And I think whenever you talk about impact on the game compared to the player and what team he goes on, he's going to have that if he goes to the right team, of course. But I think Bijan's the most sure thing that you can say, yep, that's he's going to come in, and if you draft him, he's going to do well for you. No, actually, I don't know if you... I don't know if you were suggesting there that we disagreed or that we agreed, but absolutely agree with that. I think Bijan's okay. easy winner of this. I have a different take, and I'm going to answer both this question and the next question at the same time. I think the least likely to bust is either Bryce Young or Will Anderson. I think they're least likely to bust. They're solid. They're consistent. They're smart. They're good leaders. They play hard. So now let me answer the question of most likely to bust players. My most likely to bust players of all the people, we'll especially go top ten, is either Bryce Young or Will Anderson. It makes no sense. I know it doesn't make any sense, but follow me into the weird world, the weird maze of my brain. Everything I read right now expects Bryce Young and Will Anderson to be these world beaters. Now, when you read some of the deeper film watchers like Greg Cosell, they will note, or even Bill Parcells comments on Bryce Young that he would never take him. These are the players that everybody else is like, they're the best that's ever come. Bryce Young's the most most brilliant quarterback I've ever seen. Will Anderson had 47 sacks in three games at Alabama. That's not really true. And so they're just blowing them out of proportion. Neither one of them are going to be all pros. Neither one of them are going to have an all pro season. This is my this is my prediction. And I think that makes them potentially bust because everybody seems to expect them to be all pro That's type players. Yeah. And you're picking them in the top 10. That's a bust. You should expect them yeah. to be so, but they will be 12, 13, 14 year starters, players in the NFL. And so in some ways they're going to be good picks, just not what you need them to be where you're picking them for top 10. So they're I'll bust, agree. not bust, bust, not bust, however you want to say it. They are, if that pans out, they're a bust. Sorry. Not Ryan Leaf level bus, but like. No, yeah, yeah, not like completely trash bus, but based on expect. You have to quantify a bust by what the expectations are. Overused well, Ryan Leaf, of, he was expected to be like a Hall of Fame quarterback. 
just just saying. Anyway, no, no, yeah, but, but yeah. So, but I'm think, but I'm saying that based on expectations that you're putting out here, like Kwame Brown in the NBA was the first pick in the NBA draft, and he played for I think a decade. At yeah, least, I don't know. More. If I, I think NBA and NFL is a little apples oranges there because you can play in the NBA for a long still time a and be pretty solid. bust, not I mean, bust. Kwame's definitely a bust. Yeah, but yeah. bust, right? But he's still. But based on your definition, Kwame wasn't really an my definition. For he the wasn't. NFL. He played. Consistently, my definition through. for the NFL. Okay, that's fine. very All important. Right, fine. Point. We'll go back. Apples oranges. We'll go back here. My most likely player to bust is going to be one that you disagree with, and that's Anthony Anderson. Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I knew it was coming. Anthony Anderson's an actor. Anthony Richardson was also a bust. I actually don't know who that is. So he may not have been. a bust. Is Anthony Anderson the? He's the. He's the actor. He does like he's in like Barbershop and. A lot of stuff. Anyway, in my mind, this isn't. This isn't. This is. We're not talking about Anthony Anderson. We're talking about Anthony Richardson and how he is the most likely to bust because of history and what history says about rushing quarterbacks. I am not saying that he doesn't come in and take the league by storm for the first two years and does really great, but then. Things are going to go downhill. His his peak is going to be short-lived. And again, this is my take, and albeit a hot take with some of the people that would disagree with this, but I just think that the, the record has been shown too much of these athlete, highly athletic quarterbacks coming into the league and just not panning out. And and I don't think it's fair to say that the, those players didn't try. Sure. Uh, that those yeah. players didn't try to adjust and fix their mechanics or throwing. But at the when push came to shove, at the end of the day, it just didn't pan out. And I think that it's it's harder than probably people make it out to be. Absolutely. And so Anthony Richardson, not to any fault of his own, I'm sure he's a great person. I'm sure he's going to come in and, again, still have, to your point, against the other players, I think he could still come in and have a good career. But I think he will be a bust in terms of what people expect him to do going as a pick in the top five picks in the first round in the first round of the NFL draft right so I say most likely Anthony Richardson my only quick rebuttal to that and it's really quick and really simple I kind of referred to it earlier is I think you could say any quarterback's name right now it take your entire statement you just made mm-hmm. replace any quarterback in NFL history and it would have been accurate because quarterback is so hard to predict and so many so many times, NFL teams have taken a chance on a great quarterback, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, we go on and on and on and on, and the list is so, so long. And in every situation where we have a quarterback that busted, there's something slightly different that made them a bust. Jamarcus Russell was one of the strongest arm quarterbacks I've ever seen, but he wasn't good otherwise. He wasn't able to figure out NFL defense, NFL defenses. Colin Kaepernick was a strong arm quarterback, very athletic, but was also not able to put to keep putting the the ball into risk. Rick Meyer, I don't know why I go back like 40 years ago to Rick Meyer. He's one of the first quarterbacks I saw do this. He just did not have the arm strength to get it done. I think Tua might end up being in that same category. So I think there's not one reason why these quarterbacks seem to be hard to predict. There's a hundred reasons why. And yes, that makes Anthony Richardson likely to be a bust. I think it makes every quarterback in the draft likely to be a bust is equally, equally so. But we can say that about any quarterback. That's yeah. my only rebuttal. I will. Well, to follow that up, Will Levis was my number two most likely to bust. I'll throw that out there. So another quarterback. I do think you're right. I think the ratio of quarterbacks that are drafted versus ones that come out on the other end playing well, especially first round quarterbacks. Ironically enough, I think typically. 
the ones that pan out can sometimes be the one drafted in the later rounds, a la mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, yep. Tom Brady, Aaron like all the greats, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so well, not later have, rounds, but later first rounds. So, yeah. Right, yeah, because and also when because when was Patrick Mahomes drafted? Uh, it was late first. Late yeah. first, yeah. So you're not After you're not looking at like all these quarterbacks that come out with the top ten picks. A lot of times they don't they don't pan out, and you know. Mitch Trubisky was taken before <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. So. Woof! Yeah. I'm a UNC fan. I know we're holding in a melting pot of fandoms here, uh, North Carolina, Miami, things like that, Philadelphia Eagles. But I have my reasons. I grew up in Virginia. We didn't have professional sports teams. Yeah. Leave me alone. Everyone's always like, oh, why aren't you a Redskins fan? No, thank you. Oh, because sorry. they don't Oops. exist. Sorry. I'm not <laughs> a fan of them because they don't exist. <laughs> why are you a Commanders fan? Whoops. I said we wouldn't get political on this, and I'm going out and calling them the Redskins. Commanders, why aren't you a fan of the Commanders? I had to hear the other name so much growing up. So kind of proves your point, right? You right. heard that. You probably heard that question more than you heard the Commanders question. Yeah, to thanks. your point, yes, yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. I so, can, I can see all right. So Time we did have that. some other points. I think we got to wrap it up here. I right, think can we, we can go real quick. One more. One more. One all more. right. Which one? Which where were we going? All right. So I just want to hear from you, player. That you dream your team drafts. Oh. We've already heard a little bit, but one here. You want your dream pick for the Eagles at 10 and or 30. Um, I, get, I get a turn, so don't ooh, take all the time. 10 and or 30. Yeah. All right, so I think that my dream pick at number 10 is going to be Bijan Robinson. And I the reason why I say that, and I know that everyone's like, you don't draft a running back in the first round or with the top 10 pick, right? I think first round's kind of changed over the years, but you don't draft a running back with a top 10 pick. I disagree with that because of the caliber of player that Bijan is and the the current makeup of the Philadelphia Eagles roster and the, and the impact that he can make on a team that just went to the Super Bowl and has its core returning and back. I think the window for the Philadelphia Eagles is longer than some people might think with some age of some players on their offensive line. And I think some would argue that they should focus on the offensive line because of the age of their offensive line. But right now you draft someone that's going to have that maximum impact and take you from someone who is a runner up in the Super Bowl to someone that's winning a Super Bowl. And right now for me, as I watch the other players and where the Eagles are, that's Bijan Robinson. And I know a lot of people are talking about them trading up to get Jalen Carter. And I know this may make me sound incredibly crazy right now, but it would not, I would be totally fine with them drafting up to get Bijan Robinson. And I know most people would call me crazy for saying that, but I just, I think that he is the player that will have the most impact on their franchise over the course of the next three or four years. As a Cowboys fan, I absolutely hate that idea, which is another way of me saying if I'm an Eagles fan, I completely agree with you. I think you're a, a team that's in a position to just take the, the player that you think is absolutely best on the board. I think Bijan's the absolute best player on the board, probably starting around pick two or three, maybe even, you know, maybe even some would suggest the top. So if I'm the Eagles, I absolutely take him. If I, and if he's not available and I don't take him, I'd probably go for Jameer Gibbs at the 30th pick. If he's available, and he, and that's he most the flip likely side. Well, well, and that's so. the flip side because we have first two first-round picks, right? And if we don't get Bijan at 10, obviously Jameer Gibbs at 30 is where I would go because I do think we're just missing we, – we just have a hole at running back, right? Kenneth Gainwell – Love him. Great piece. Not your feature back. Rashad Penny, again, low risk, high reward type signing could come in and be absolutely phenomenal, but you can't put all your eggs in that basket. I think we also re-sign Boston Scott. Again, another nice piece, maybe on punt returns, things along that nature. 
but there's still that glaring hole of you look at the an offense like the Philadelphia Eagles have with Jalen Hurts, with Dallas Goddard, with A.J. Brown, with Devontae Smith, and you're like, okay, where is the hole in that? Where can teams attack them and know that they're not going to be as strong? And right now, that hole is the running back position. So Jameer Gibbs would still be a fantastic add. I say that full knowing that he may you know, come out and pinning what team drafts Bijan may even have a better season than Bijan the first couple of seasons, and you never know. But Bijan's who I want. Jameer Gibbs would be number two. If we do end up getting a running back with the 10th pick the 30th pick i do think we either need to go safety with brian branch i don't know if he'll fall quite far down to the 30th pick or go offensive line with one of i don't know who who can even be in the offensive line conversation i'm i'm unprepared for that that conversation hard to know at that point i mean it's hard to know at that at that point yeah maybe darnell Wright. i'm not sure who's going to really be available but that's that's Honestly, offense, that's the boring pick whenever you talk offensive line. So I'm hoping we don't go there, but it is also necessary. So hopefully they can score offensive linemen in the second round. But those first round picks, I think that those need to be highly skilled impact players on offensive and defensive side. And losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson at safety, I think a bigger hit than we're going to realize on the the defensive side. ball. he was just such a great ball hawk at the safety position. I think we're going to need to get some talent in, in safety. So... If we're able to score that at 30, let's go that way. Um, I do think there's some safety, solid safeties available later, so that could be be helpful. Now let's move on to America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. So I, I had originally written a question, who are, your friend, who are you afraid your team will take? And I wrote down offensive linemen, just mainly because, like you said, it's a little boring. And we don't need any offensive linemen. I did some great job picking there the last few years. I'm going to state one player that the chances of him being available are slim to none, and they never will take him. Let me first say, if Bijan's available, we should absolutely take Bijan. I would absolutely love for us to get him. We want a Texas guy right there with the Cowboys, Texas Longhorns. The other player that probably also won't be available, but some mocks predict he may slide, is Anthony Richardson. I've already sung his praises. He won't be available, but boy, what a great pick that would be to me. We wouldn't take him. Also, because that would unseat a bit Dak Prescott's hold on the team. I don't think that's the Cowboys' way. With all that in mind, we need a receiver. We need somebody different. So, Quentin Johnson of, of TCU. A a player that I saw one prognosticator suggest had the physical talent to play at the same level as Randy Moss. That is absurd. No. We know that's absurd. That's silly. But it does suggest what kind of physical talent he has, that he is a supreme athlete. And for someone to come in and play the game with a, to me, a somewhat solid offense. Others suggest we need more playmakers. They're probably right. Maybe my Cowboys' optimism is too strong there. Without doubt, we could use another great receiver. And I think I think Quentin Johnson fits. I think he's likely to be available at that spot. I think he complements CeeDee Lamb well. I think he complements what we do as a team. And I would be pretty proud to have somebody like him running those those deep nines to catch those long passes while CD works the underneath and out of the slot quite a bit. So that's me. That's kind of where I'm at. Awesome. Well, I think that this has been a very comprehensive. We did make sure the main course was the draft. We spent the most time there, but that was a good conversation. So next episode, we'll actually have a follow-up because obviously it'll be happening after the draft occurs. So we can have a follow-up to this episode and digest what we predicted, what actually happened. and Surprises. Surprises, all that fun stuff. And obviously at that point, we'll also be in the second round of the NBA playoffs. So we can have some follow-up conversations surrounding what happened there. But 
but I don't know about you. I'm out of bourbon. I'm out of wine. So we'll wrap this up. We're going to go make some more drinks. We're going to be bringing these to you on a regular basis. So excited to start this journey and keep it going with you all. So hope you join us next time on Beards, Bottles, and Balls. Cheers. Bye, everyone.